Coming to you from the podcasting studio in the Reynolds School of Journalism, this is Residual Culture. A podcast about media. I'm Joey Lovato. And I'm Ben Birkenbein. That intro took us far too many times to get right, but here we are. It indeed did, yes. <laughs> and uh, so let's just get into it, right? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so before this podcast started, you recommended a movie to me called Hard Boiled. Hard Boiled, uh, directed by John Woo before he came to the U.S. Most people know him from his U.S. work, like Mission Impossible 2, etc., etc. But yes, I recommended that you go back to the early days of John Woo and begin with Hard Boiled, starring Chow Yun-Fat. Chow Yun-Fat. He was, he was fantastic in it. Um, so what did you think? Okay, so here's here's I really liked it, but when I started it, I didn't like it. <laughs> so why? What 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 was it about the movie that you did not find appealing? What what was the t- and further, what was the turning point? Okay, so one, I read slow, and the movie is has is subtitled. Uh, Joey. Yeah. That's called character development. <laughs> so they spoke very fast, and the <laughs> the subtitles went really fast. So I had a little bit of hard time following it at first. Um, which was fine. Um, I kind of got the gist of it. It was these two cops, and they were in a tea shop, and then a shootout starts. So cool. Uh, it was a very, very good intro. But I was kind of the beginning kind of upset me a little bit because it, a lot of like innocent people are just getting like shot. It's a it, that's it's setting the tone. It's setting it, atmosphere. It's a, it's a dark. It's a dark movie. But it's weird. It has like weird tonal problems. I feel like, but there, it doesn't detract from the movie at all. What do you mean by tonal problems? Because again, like like a lot of innocent people just get murdered in this movie. But then That's... there is a scene where the main character's pants are on fire and he's holding a baby and the baby pees on him to put the fire out. <laughs> so like you you can't tell me that like that's not like it's just some dissonance right there like <laughs> But when you see that though you you laughed. Yeah, oh yeah, I did laugh. But and then like the next scene is like people running from a hospital getting shot. But you know what? Okay, so here's one thing I would explain about Hard Boiled and I would say most John well at least the early John Woo films, okay? Okay. Set within a, a dark atmosphere, of course, tremendously violent. Um, I believe, in fact, one of the reasons that I I enjoyed uh, Hard Boiled as an action film is that I believe for a while it had the highest kill count of any movie. Yeah, right? I could I could definitely see that. And and it was sort of notorious for this. And they're like, who's this guy making these ultra violent sort of action movies? Oh my gosh, this guy called John Woo. Let's have him direct Hollywood blockbusters because that's what eventually happened. But. Those movies, though, they have all of that dark context, but there are these tr- these really nice moments of humanity or humor yeah, yeah. Or, or something within them that makes them, uh, you know, otherwise redeeming. Okay, well, let, so let's go back for a second to with a turning point for me. Yes, exactly. Um, so the movie was a very, like, other than, like, a lot of, again, like, civilians getting killed, it was a pretty run-of-the-mill, like, a, a hard cop who, like, his partner got shot at the beginning of the movie, and he's, like, really upset about it, and he's having some relationship problems. Um, and then, like, then, then it cuts to, like, the the mobsters, the bad guys, um, the the triads, I believe. The triad, yes, triads, and, that's right. And uh, there was a guy named, oh, Johnny, I think was the bad guy's name, uh, or something like that, Jerry, Johnny, okay. <laughs> Jimmy. Um, and he, he, so, like, you see, like, oh, he's, like, he betrayed the one, his, like, uncle, for like this like bigger uh, like uh, gun running group, um, and so I'm like, okay, bad guy, good guy. I see them. Like, sure, there's some shootouts. Okay, I get it. Then there's this warehouse scene. Oh my gosh! It's the second big shootout in the movie out of like three. I'm pretty sure that even when I recommended the movie, I said there's this warehouse scene. Oh, 
There's a warehouse scene that is it's epic. It's crazy. It's um it's 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 funny now because it's a little dated, but it doesn't mean it's any less bad. And in fact, it may almost make it more enjoyable because like all these dudes are like, so the two gangs have now fought, and now like the one gang has taken all the guns. Um, and then the one rogue cop like comes in from the ceiling on a zip line and just starts like throwing grenades and like shooting like wildly. And it, like, and he takes on like 200 guys. What an entrance. By himself. What an entrance. And so after this scene, you find out that the main bad guy or who you thought was the main bad spoiler guy. Alert, spoiler yeah, alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert here. Yeah. We're going to get into some spoilers probably. Uh, is a, uh, he's a, uh, undercover cop and, uh, that's like it's your classic, your classic action movie uh, premise. Now here's here's just in reviewing what you just said. I have not seen this movie for a while. Yeah, it makes me want to go back and rewatch it again because everything you said you said there sounds amazing. But I think you're underselling one aspect. The the hospital scene. Well, we haven't even got to the hospital oh, scene. Yet. Okay, that's another thing. I think you're I think you're underestimating the degree to which. Like the kind of complex family relationships, oh, the yeah, yeah. romantic relationships, it, you don't get that. You you tended not to get that really yes. in in like U.S. action films. And it's it is something, yeah. That it, it like because the main character, the hard boiled cop, has problems with his girlfriend. The main bad guy, or so who I thought was, and then turns out he's not, has like like killed like his mentor. But then it turns out he he did it on purpose because he's an undercover cop. But it's this family problem with him, and you you get all these interesting things. And the main bad guy, who is like the boss of the triads, is just like this sinister guy. He is just he has no. It's interesting though because he's not like um, he just looks like a normal guy. He doesn't have like an eye patch. He's not like just you know <laughs> the, the, the classic trope of a uh, bad guy, right? Like yeah, he doesn't have like a golden tooth or something. Right. He's right. a very like clean cut like looking businessman who just happens to like also and like he's not like super stoic. He's not super angry. He is just a normal person who reacts to things in normal ways. Except for he's also okay with just murdering civilians. See, but that's and, and that's what makes him a really good villain is because he does. He's yes. it's not over the top. It's not extreme. I'm glad. I'm glad that you you appreciated that because that's another thing too. It kind of reminds me of that line from uh, what is the movie with uh, uh, Denzel Washington, Ethan Hawke, Training Day. Yeah. Where he's like, "What? Just because it's sunny outside, you don't you think like no crime occurs? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like you think that all villains have to have this patch or a limp or <laughs> exactly. something? Like you know? Exactly. Uh, no, it's just a normal looking dude who's just. But you have to also tell the audience. You have to give the audience those hallmarks of like. So they understand how bad this dude is. Yeah. Right. And by the way, an amazing Nintendo game, Bad Dudes. <laughs> when, uh, when that was also the name of my fantasy baseball team last year. Uh, bad Dudes is a is a good name. We will uh, <laughs> we will get into video games in a future episode, I'm sure, because uh, we have plenty to talk about with those. But um, yeah, I, I, this movie had a lot going for it, and you got to stick with it. I think at the beginning, it doesn't drag, but it's just like, okay, this is super generic. And like, even for like a movie from, is it like the eighties? Eighties. Late eighties. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Um, even for a movie from the late eighties, it's a, feels like a very, very generic action movie. And then it gets more interesting and it's still, what's in, what's cool about it is it follows a generic action movie, like plot line, but it has complex characters and interesting situations that happen um, I don't want to give them all away here, but but there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens in this movie. Um, the big finale is uh, this big shootout in this hospital. That's and and that's the one that I 
I I had mentioned to you before that like there is this scene, this one scene with yeah. with no cuts. No, right? It's like five minutes, and, it, and it's it's super long, like tracking shot. Yeah, and it's while um the two characters, right, Chai yeah. Yun Fat and is it Johnny, Johnny Jamie. or what? Yeah, Johnny or whatever are infiltrating this hospital. Yeah, and oh it, the, because the bad guys have taken it over. Um, yeah, and it, it does. It's it's it, they just keep going down hallway after hallway, and it's just like it's just shooting. <laughs> and it's what's funny to me, which I love about every action movie, is that uh, they have infinite ammo. They never have to reload <laughs> their guns. There's some reloading that happens uh, when they get in the elevator, because yes, it's multiple floors. Yeah, too. This, it is. This it is, is a one shot. Floor scene. Yeah, it it's it's amazing, and like you don't even think about it. The first time I watched it, I didn't think about it, and then I went back and watched that scene because I'm like, oh my god. That that was the thing that Ben mentioned. Where it that's was, the it's scene, just one scene. Yeah, it's it. I think they do a really good job of it. Um, I recommend. I highly recommend it. It was a good recommendation, Ben. I appreciate uh, it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a, a four four Joey high fives out of five. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. For a first for a first review. Yeah. I don't know if uh, we'll, we'll change up the the, the rating the system rating every time. <laughs> How many hearts? Like does yeah. your you know something it's like that? Out of twelve. Yeah. Next time. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Um, but so, okay, so that's Hard Boiled. That's what you recommended to me um, a couple weeks ago. I did, I did. You know, I'm just, I'm just thinking, I, I don't want to, we don't have to dwell on this too much, but, you know, when you said that uh, you didn't think about the fact that the, uh, that the camera didn't cut or whatever, but when yeah. you went back and looked at it and then you, you kind of appreciated a new way. Yeah. This is one of the other things that I started doing when I, I, I started teaching um, students about, you know, how to, how to, how to look at film, uh, understand and appreciate some of the production aspects and one of the other scenes that I would bring up is like the the so you know the the very famous shower scene in Psycho. Yeah. But yeah. I would pause it at the point where there's a camera that's directly up at the shower head. I don't know if you remember, like in yeah, in yeah. and and then I just asked the students like just to get you into that headspace. How is the camera not getting wet? <laughs> and they're like, I never thought about that before, yeah, right? Yeah. Because it's true, and and then when you watch an action film, there's a lot of cut, 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 right? Yeah. Um, lots of explosions. Well, even... and I think that's something that I have a problem with in modern action films. Is one, I, I can't stand shaky cam. It really bugs me. Right. Um, and like I also just can't stand like when yeah when it is like such when it's like you have three shots in one second, you can't really like take it. It feels fake because you can't take it because it is, and it feels like a crutch where that movie like. It did it, and it, it, it was it was very stable the camera the entire time. And you got to watch like these people flipping around and jumping over tables and hiding behind cover, and it, the whole thing was choreographed beautifully. And like I feel like movies don't do that anymore. Instead, they just throw a camera down the hill, and then they're like, "Yeah, there's a there's a fight scene." <laughs> you know what? And this is a great point because what it does is it allows the viewer to kind of appreciate the details. Yes. Right. Yeah. Whereas the 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 kind of rapid cut scenes just give you like an overall impression of chaos. Yeah, yeah. Which or is... like there's a giant explosion that happened and though there's some bodies flying and oh my gosh, what's that? And you're kinda of like, what 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 am I watching? Yeah. Right. I don't find it as enjoyable. Yeah. I like being able to see what's going on and understand it. I like um, it. Okay. So let's move on to our main topic for today. Our first topic, which I think is a great one to start with with movies, is uh, the Coen brothers. You know why I think this is such a great topic to because begin with? Because the Coen brothers are great? Well, that is one reason, Joey. <laughs> but also, as I mentioned before, I, you know, sometimes I get, I get uh, students asking me for recommendations. And not only recommendations, but they'll say like, okay, well, fine. You seem like you've seen yeah, probably too many, too many movies or whatever. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Okay. Favorite movie. And I usually tell them, well, it depends on who's asking. But one of the common responses I will give 
is The Big Lebowski? The Big Lebowski. Uh, it is. I have a couple friends whose favorite movie is The Big Lebowski. It is not my favorite movie, but I love The Big Lebowski. Now, I fully admit, I fully admit to all of you uh, uh, kind of critical listeners out there that The Big Lebowski has become a cult favorite of like college bros. Yeah. Of which I was one yeah. at one point. I, I would say I was not a classic bro, but you know, a dude that sat and watched action films yeah. and you've the seen Big the, you've seen the bottom of a trash can before. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, the Big Lebowski, I think, is a really good place to start with the Coen Brothers because I think um, I think it, it it encompasses like everything that they're about. Um, where certain movies by them, like it gets like it hits on one aspect that they're really good at, but the Big Lebowski hits on like it hits every beat that the Coen Brothers are. Like known for, I think I would say. Speaking of beats and the Coen Brothers, uh, I w- <laughs> I could spin that off into like. A, <laughs> you gonna talk about Lou and Davis here? Yeah. Well, I I would say that speaking of hitting beats, I mean one of the things that is so like flawless in my opinion about that movie is the degree to which the three main actors hit their beats, like in the dialogue scenes, like yeah. the way that they interact, and it's so clever. So clever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's just a, it's a very rich kind of dialogue that's in there too. There's there's nods to like political philosophy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, economics, you know, uh, worldviews, everything else. Well, right? the, the dude is like has kind of. I feel as if uh, again we're talking about bookending millennials. Um, I, the dude kind of encompasses like a hippie, but like a little bit more modern. He's a little like a modern hippie kind of. Yeah, I mean, well, like, you know, his whole motto is just taking it easy. Yeah. Right. So he's just gonna take it easy, and yeah, so yeah. you know, walks around in jelly sandals and a robe. You know, P- uh, paying out a check for sixty nine cents at Ralph's <laughs> for milk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think the Big Lebowski is not my favorite Coen Brothers movie, only because there are mo- other movies that they have that appeal to me more. Can I put you on the spot? Yeah. Can I ask you? Like, if I asked you what your favorite Coen Brothers movie is. So, we discussed this a little bit beforehand, a little behind the scenes here. Uh, and I was going to say Fargo, and then I stopped myself and thought No Country for Old Men. And I'm very conflicted between the two. The two? Yes. Okay, so l- let me just, uh, why don't we start with maybe one or two, but what okay. what are the elements of those movies that you appreciate so much? So, w- with No Country for Old Men... Uh, it, I like sad, dark movies. <laughs> that is the saddest, darkest movie. <laughs> Probably not the saddest, darkest, but it is a very, very dark movie. Maybe in the in the Coen Brothers canon. Oh, by far, perhaps. yeah. That and probably Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing is, yeah, Miller's Crossing is is dark. I, it's been a long time since I've seen that. I yeah. remember it being very good also. Yeah. Gabriel Byrne, right, I think is... Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but so, um, No Country for Old Men... I really like, I, I don't know what this says about me as a person or not, but I really like, like, the character of Sugar. Yeah. Um, and I know he was he's written by um, uh, a great author that I can't think of right now. He wrote The Road. McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy. Cormac, Cormac, Cormac McCarthy. McCarthy. Cormac yeah. McCarthy, yes. Um, but I think that they really encompassed, they did the book justice with this movie. Um, Sugar, to me, represents, like, evil. Just, like, the embodiment of evil. He's like the devil. Um, and... I really think it's interesting at the end of the movie, like he has no reason to kill this person, but he kills them. And it's like, it's because that's, it's, it's the, it's the concept, it's the concept. He's like, I was hired to kill you. Like, I'm sorry. Like yeah. there's no, it, I know I don't have to kill you anymore, but that's not the point. And I just, Chigurh is the most like viscerally upsetting 
villain I can think of in a movie. And I think that all the performances are great. Um, I, I just think that like that movie hits notes that you just make you uncomfortable to like your core. And I think that that's important. Okay. So can I, can I, can I press you? Can I kind of play stereotypical professor here? Yeah. Can I just ask you like, what was the kind of ultimate meaning that you took out of No Country for Old Men? <laughs> um, what do you think the film was trying to say? Well, I think you have to go back to the book, right? What was the book trying to say? Um, well, I mean, we, we can, but, <laughs> we can. but I, I, yeah, yeah. I think I'm, mo- I'm, we'll, we'll talk about the movie. We'll because about I'm actually a person that I feel like I can separate them yeah. out as yeah. two distinct cultural artifacts. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it's, it's, it's certainly very fruitful to compare the yeah, two, yeah. but I think, you know, if you're going to talk about one, let's talk about, let's talk about one. Okay. Um, I think that the thing like that I took away from the movie was that, uh, uh, and, and I don't know if like how this is kind of a, like sad, but like you can't run from all your problems, and you you have to kind of accept like the consequences sometimes of things. And I think that Shigur, again the villain, is like the consequences of people's actions and lives, and it's not fair. Like what like the the consequence that they're facing death is not fair for the actions that they took. But it doesn't mean, but like life's not fair. And I think that like facing consequences regardless of like the extremeness of your actions is kind of like what the movie represents in a really interesting way. Uh, and it's not happy, like I said, but I think that it's it's a fair view of the world because the world's not fair. <laughs> I, I know I said fair a million times. But interesting. What, no, what no, it's a, good, it's a good, it's a good interpretation. I think mine would simply be that it's no long, it's, it's, uh, it's no country for old men. <laughs> anymore this is the that's w- what that's the kind of knowledge that will get you a phd joey oh you stick with me you'll good. be all right <laughs> no well, I, well it's interesting that you focused more on sugar and the way that he was following people around because i think one of the things that i took about, out about it and I, it, I i jokingly said that it's no country for old men but i think that that tips off some of the central meaning is that crime right seems to get uh more intense, right? Or that there is yeah, this kind of yeah. evil out there in the world. And yet, um, the old men played by, uh, who was it? Tom, Tommy Lee Jones? Who oh. played the, who played the sheriff? Was yeah, it Tommy yeah. Lee Jones? Yeah, yeah. So he's there in kind of a small town. And for the first time, the small rural town is confronted with an evil that it had not been confronted with in the past. Right. And so he's struggling then to, to try to keep up, like, you know, answer questions as to why. You know, why is there evil in the world? Why, how do we cope with this? Or I'm getting too old for this stuff. You know, classic like uh, Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Right? Um, but but it shows that kind of thing. Now, there are some broader problems with that, number one of which is that actually the world is not getting more violent. If you look at the violent crime statistics, it's yeah. not. Yeah, uh, it's so. like the safest time to live right now, which yeah. doesn't, it doesn't feel like it, but it is apparently. Right. And <laughs> the, I num- actually, the numbers don't lie. Right. And I brought that up today in, the, in my... Um, my First Amendment class, because I was talking about uh, just uh, media effects yeah. broadly. But no, I, I think that's a fantastic movie. Uh, I would certainly not disagree that No Country for Old Men is a is a fantastic movie. But again... What is your favorite? Is, it is Big it, Lebowski? Yeah, it's Big Lebowski, but I mean... And why? It's it's for all those reasons. It's just the, the, the kind of cleverness mm. of, of the dialogue, the interaction between the characters. I found all of those characters just so compelling. And I also remember, I, gotta, I have to admit, when I first saw the movie, it just like confused me. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, I <laughs> and, and, you know, this is kind of one of the hallmarks, I think, of someone who goes on to become an academic is that 
it, it unsettles you when you can't get something. Yeah. Yeah. And so I took it as an intellectual challenge, like what what is he talking about nihilism? What is he talking about? You know, it, I, it was like all that stuff, and it led me on on more of an intellectual journey to figure out how the lines were even more clever than I thought they were. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because there's issues of class, there's issue of lifestyle. I mean, so many memorable characters. I and and the other thing is, I just spent. Uh, it was actually in college. I mean, one of my best friends, we, we would just watch that movie consistently and we would just laugh and, you know, recite the movie. I mean, it came to this point where we bought the screenplay and we're like reading <laughs> it and we're like, oh my gosh, remember that? Like just seeing it on paper and then the way it's delivered is just so rock solid. And we just, we really appreciated it for, for all of the different elements that are uh, in that film. Yeah. Plus, you know, you said that you like dark, like, uh, yeah, I like sad, sad movies. Things, yeah. My other um, favorite movie that I usually tell people people about is totally outside the Coen Brothers thing, but maybe we, we, we sorry, maybe we can talk about that at some point too. Yeah. But it's it's another movie that that I appreciate for its darkness, yeah. you know. Uh, but but when I tell people, I just say Big Lebowski because it's playful, it's smart, it's yeah, memorable characters, all I, of that. Ironically enough, and this is not the Coen Brothers, but I think I should just mention it. Um, I love dark movies, but my favorite movie, g- generally when people ask me, is The Grand Budapest Hotel by Wes Anderson, which is anything but. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, I think at some point we should do a Wes Anderson. We can do a Wes Anderson yeah, run, yeah, too, we'll because uh, there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah, well. anyway, that was just a, a funny side note, I feel. Um, other Coen Brothers movies that you love? What like? There's so many. I mean, again, Fargo is a very, very close. It, it, it's a contender for the best Coen Brothers movie for me. That was another one. I, that's the one that you haven't talked about yet, but yeah. um, you listed that one. Another dark movie, for sure. I, but I like that one because it's dark, but also funny. It's like, it, 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 it's, it's it, only funny. Well, it's, it's funny. I agree. Yeah. But, but I'm also from the upper Midwest. He's, he's, originally. He's, he's kind of funny looking in what way? In a, the normal kind of way. The normal kind of way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is certainly uh, another really good movie. You know what? And I, I appreciate Fargo. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But have you seen the TV show? No. It's fantastic. Anyway, go ahead. But what I was going to say about Fargo is that I appreciate it, but I don't know that it's in my top. Coen Brothers movies. Sir, I'm I'm trying to get a number. Like I don't know that it's in my top five Coen Brothers movies. Really? Okay. Um, and and it, can you give me? Do you think you could? I mean, you don't have to put them in order, but like, what are like some of your favorite Coen Brothers movies? All right, other well, than the Big Lebowski. Not yeah. So not right off the bat. I guess I'd have to maybe look at the full list again because there's a lot of there's them. a lot. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I would I would say another one that jumps out is Raising Arizona. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It is so good and so funny. One of uh, one of what's his name's best roles at the same time. <laughs> um, um, John Goodman, the main character. Oh, Nick Cage. Yeah, Nick, one yeah. of Nick Cage's best Nick roles. Nick Cage. My yeah. bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I would also say that that another one that I really I really like. Oh, there's there's two more. Oh my gosh, there's two more. Okay, <laughs> two more that that really, you know, for various reasons were important. Yeah. Uh, in my life, but I also find them to be amazing in their own right. Barton Fink. Okay, I've never seen that. Okay, that might be on the recommendation list eventually. Okay. Okay. Um, the Hudsucker Proxy. I also haven't seen that. Which I feel like <laughs> I feel like people don't. I mean, granted, the degree to which people actually know the Coen Brothers' full catalog is yeah. is probably a very few. Yeah. Well, yeah. whatever. Maybe there's probably a lot of people out there that know, but uh, probably some super fans were like, "Who's this professor? He's ignorant of people." <laughs> um, 
But but I don't know that the Hudsucker proxy certainly gets listed as like one of the Coen brothers' Honestly, best movies. When when you brought it up, I I I'd like never heard of that movie before. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. it's so good. Uh, there's so many lines that also I, I use from that one, but it it's got that same sort of charm. Uh, it's it's just a really charming movie. Yeah, um, Blood Simple. Blood Simple is I, that's the next one I was gonna go with. Yeah. Uh, but you know the interesting thing is I think Blood Simple has has at least some parallels to um, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just in the in the in the way that you know it's about crime, it's about rural towns. Um, but you know, Blood Simple obviously was their first first film, first feature film. Yeah. Anyways, to the best of my knowledge, and um, and uh, you know, it, it's very different than other Coen Brothers movies. It's before they kind of developed that kind of characteristic Coen style. style. Yeah. It's the same as Wes Anderson. Bottle Rocket's very different from oh, his other movies. Oh man, let's not even start talking about <laughs> yeah. Bottle Rocket because Bottle Rocket is. Yeah, we will. T- let's let's do that. Let's well, put aside an episode well, for Wes Anderson. Well, maybe ne- maybe next week we'll hit Wes Anderson. All right, we could. Um. Uh, uh, oh brother, where art thou? Oh brother, where art thou? Really Great. nice. I I love the the Odyssey allegory. You know, the the whole the, the it follows it and like it it I I like the way they did it. Also, the music in that movie is great. Music is good. Um, here's an interesting one. Uh, Inside Llewellyn Davis. Yeah, I think you mentioned this before, and yeah. and and I I remember seeing that movie. I just don't remember it being. As good as some of the others, but maybe I need to go so, back and so rewatch it. So the first time I watched it, I was like, "Well, that's a bummer." The Coen Brothers movies made the Coen Brothers made a bad movie, <laughs> and then the second time I watched it, I was like, "This is a great movie." Wait, no, no, no! I'm getting this confused. Inside Llewellyn Davis is about the folk singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. with uh, Oscar <laughs> Isaac. Yeah, you know, oddly enough, the one I was getting it confused with was, um, was Hail Caesar. Well, no, but that's actually not a very good movie. Hail Caesar's not that. Yeah, that wasn't really that good. There's some. There's some that I would would put up there as not very good Coen Brothers movies. And Hail that Caesar would, is one of them. Intolerable cruelty. I haven't seen that. The Lady Killers was a remake, but um, anyways, what is the other? There's like the, the man who wasn't there, or yeah, the man mm. man who wasn't there. Okay. I think it's like a Billy Bob Thornton maybe oh, is in okay. it. Um, but it's all black and white. Okay. Too. Um, Gosh, we might even have just. I'm, like, look, I'm looking it up on the computer. Yeah, right we may now. need to bring up a list of 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 Coen Brothers. It movies is. It, yes, I have not seen that. Yeah, that's another one that was just kind of like meh. Like, okay. You know, I mean, but here's what I always say: like a mediocre or even a bad Coen Brothers movie is still better is, than most movies. It's still better. It's still worth seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, th- there are there are a million a million uh, Coen Brothers movies. Um, there's not quite a million. I just don't think you. Do you want to take the time to count them? I think, oh, the one that we haven't, the, I, that I love too, uh, Burn After Reading. Really underrated. Burn After Reading is very, that's also, I would agree that that's also an underrated one. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, But yeah, I think I think we've like got a good base for Coen Brothers, but I think that they're directors that we will need to revisit because there's just so there's much. There's so many, yeah. And just, yeah, there's so much to talk about. Um, Mil- you know, yeah, Mil- <laughs> Miller's, Mil- Miller's Crossing, Inside Crossing. Llewellyn Davis, True Grit. True Grit, True yeah, because True Grit was almost part of that. They did like a run, right? Because yeah. True Grit was probably right after No Country for Old Men. Yeah, yeah. And then was there another kind of Western themed one too? Um, uh, and Inside Llewellyn, Llewellyn Davis is kind of Western because it takes place in like New York. Yeah, well, yeah, but like, well, no, 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 <laughs> but like, but it takes place like back in the day, like in the twenties. Just, I think it's more of a geographical thing than a time thing. The okay. Western, don't you think? It's kind of in the title of you, the you genre. Would, you would call New York a Western? 
No, I wouldn't. That's oh, what I'm saying. Because oh, 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 okay, okay. it happened in New York. <laughs> yeah, I just okay. I remember him like in his like tenement building or whatever <laughs> yeah, with his yeah. guitar. No, you're, you're right. Um, yeah, there there are, they have a couple other movies, but um, I, I think that we've hit the the big the big ones. And I think that there's definitely. I mean, like I, like I said, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I could talk about for a while, um, as well as Raising Arizona. <laughs> it's interesting because some of like I'm I'm almost like as we went through the list. Um, I don't know that our lists match up all that much. No, they don't. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, I think when we revisit this, we may uh, rank all of them. From That'd be our fun. Favorite to our least favorite, and uh, see where see where we line up and where we don't. I think I think it would be good. We should do that. We should revisit it with like a rank ordered list. Yeah. We'll come in, say like, all right, here's what I got. Number one. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll do that uh, down the line sometime. I like it. Uh, anyway, we are going to now go on to our next segment uh, before Ben recommends a movie to me. Which is uh, we're gonna watch a trailer for an upcoming movie, and then we're gonna talk about it. So uh, I'm gonna pause this, and then we'll come back after we watch. Be right back. Trailer. Okay, we're back. I think. Yeah, we're back. And we're back. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so we watched. Uh, we watched the trailer for. We just watched the trailer for Alita: Battle Angel. <laughs> initial impressions, Joey. That's my initial impression. Uh, it looks not good. Although I love Christoph Waltz. We should say uh, so. This seems to be billed as uh, as a as a potential or a, kind of a wannabe blockbuster, right? Yeah. I mean, we've got James Cameron James as Cameron. a producer, right? Yeah, and then directed by Robert Rodriguez, which like okay. <laughs> and then we have starring Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Uh, Christoph, Christoph Waltz. Waltz. Great. And who else? There was one oh, other person um, that was, oh, Jennifer Connelly yeah, is in it. Yeah. Um, uh, who I really, I actually really like Jennifer Yeah, Connelly. like those are three great actors. So that doesn't mean it's going to make a good movie. And this is, this, <laughs> this movie, if I remember correctly, right, this is like a based on. I think it's based on an anime. An anime. Right, from There's from a my, previously existing anime. I think it's kind of following the ghost in the shell trend. Okay. Which, uh. Yeah, so it seems like a, a girl with synthetic body. Yeah, right. It, she's like it's like creepy looking. It's, so it's a it's a live action. Yep. Except for like the main girl character is like a weird robot with big eyes that. Yeah, like it's like Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley is real with this then. Yeah, so she looks human, but there are very inhuman aspects to her look. And, yeah, it made me uncomfortable just watching the trailer. Here's the thing. I I'm not ready to totally dismiss this film uh, yet because I am <laughs> it, it 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 may have potential right it may have potential um, and only because well okay what what this film is up against is actually what I would say is a pretty ripe time for good movies yeah. good kind of sci-fi yeah. cyborg that that. Uh, as you said, that valley between humanity and inhumanity, kind of yeah, the, right? the uncanny valley. The uncanny yeah. valley. Uh, I so it could potentially be good, potentially, yep. potentially. It could potentially be a flop. I'm 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 gonna a hot take here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I think it's gonna be a flop. That's my prediction. We can uh, we can revisit that when it comes out in yeah. um, July. It might be fun to do that as well. Yeah. Because right now that was a, well, that was an extended trailer. That wasn't uh, just a teaser, was it? Minute 45. Yeah, exactly. That's extended that's trailer. That's yeah. like a movie, you know, like you go to the movies and you see that trailer. That's like a first theatrical. Yeah. Um. I, like I said, I love Christoph Waltz. Um, I, I think it's just, I think it looks like it's trying too hard. 
There's like some scenes where she's like jumping through the air trying to punch this dude who's like shooting chains out of his. He's like a big robot man shooting chains out. I don't know. It's a bit much. It, I feel yeah. like th- I, I'm. Sh- I have never. I you know. I, I'm not gonna lie. I've never heard of the the anime uh, Alita, but I feel like they're probably not gonna do it justice. Just like I feel like Ghost in the Shell was not done justice. I I wholeheartedly agree with that, <laughs> and I think that one of the things that is that is difficult about adapting uh, yeah or any cultural artifact from its original form is inevitably you're going to get people who say it's not true enough to the thing but i think that's where you you know like i said earlier you have to separate out the artifacts as two separate separate things right look at this one as a movie other people don't want to do that right they want to say no this is supposed to be alita it's like well Maybe you already read that, right? This is a different a different thing, or saw it, right? If yeah, it's an, an, yeah, anime. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's 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 a it seems almost like a, kind of a dangerous risk. But you know, Hollywood is full of kind of un, oh, yeah. unoriginal ideas. Well, right? yeah, they're not they don't want to write a new movie, so they're just gonna take this popular anime from the '80s or something. Um, I know they're also talking about. I don't know if you've ever heard of Akira. Have Have I heard of Akira? Yeah, of course I've heard of Akira. <laughs> yes, uh, I I. I Cannot confirm this, but I've heard rumors that they're going to make a movie of I've it. I've also heard that, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's another one in the trend of the Ghost in the Shell and the Alita Battle Angel. Um, we'll see. We'll see if there's any more. You yeah. know what would be interesting is just a conversation also about some of the old anime. Like, if you've seen I some. I have not seen that many. I've not seen any either. And I'm sure that we would, like, Probably immediately, like, like, upset <laughs> anime fans, right? Yeah, because I, don't, I would not consider myself an anime fan. I, I have watched two animes, which is uh, Cowboy Bebop. Okay. Which is great, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is also great. Okay. I liked them both, but then I one time tried to watch Naruto, and absolutely not. Okay, no. <laughs> yeah, and see, I'm I'm much more dated in my my anime yeah. stuff, so my stuff was much more like the feature film stuff from oh, yeah, back yeah. in the '80s. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, certainly Ghost in the Shell, certainly Akira, um, you know, quite a few others actually. There's there's actually quite a few really good movies as well. Yeah, that yeah. are actually up there on my list. Well, uh, we'll we'll save that one for another time. Let's do it. Uh, we're, we'll do Wes Anderson next, and then after that, maybe we'll hit some uh, some anime or something. We'll, we'll see. Sounds all right. See how we're see how we're feeling. Um, so Ben, you have a recommendation for me to end the episode. All right, uh, here's the time where it comes when I provide a recommendation for Joey uh, to try to pass along those those pieces of residual culture back yes. to, onto the next generation. All right, this is one that I think is going to be quite popular. Um, I often show a very famous scene from this movie in my classes quite often. Uh, your film for next week, Joey, is going to be John Carpenter's They Live, right. starring Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> All right, I'm excited to watch it. Um, and I, I am excited to talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk after about it you next, see it. We'll talk about it next week. Well, uh, thank you for listening to this uh, the inaugural episode of Residual Culture. I agree. And if you have ideas for, for topics that you'd like us to investigate or talk about, you go ahead. Feel free to uh, contact us. Joey has yeah, that you information. Can, you can email us at residualculturepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at residualculture. The music of today's episode was Finder by People With Bodies. Hey, this was fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Joey Lovato. And I'm Ben Birkenbein. Music in today's episode was I forgot the name of it. So did I. Uh, we'll cut that out. Yep. <laughs>